and we are live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. I sound like one of the two Ronnies. Um, for anyone who may remember the two Ronnies, two comedians. Um, welcome back to Smart Women Connect with myself and Sarah. And we thought it might be quite good to come on and just share a little bit of our story with you. And we're going to do it under the heading of uh, Navigating a New Path. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, we both spent a number of years uh, as lawyers, uh, different law firms, but um, a number of years in the legal profession. And we both just freely walked away from those careers to go off and try something different. You could call us mad um, because, well, I'll certainly say from my point of view, I did it without a plan. Big mistake, big mistake. Um, and yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, I wouldn't swap it. Uh, there are some days that I think it might be nice to go back and then, um, and then I think, no, um, life's a journey. You've got to get out there and experience everything that you, that you want to experience and give it all a try. So here I am, I'm going to carry on navigating my new path. And believe me, that new path will change on a continual basis. Yeah, absolutely. I did have a plan though. Oh, wow. Good for you. But my plan then didn't look anything like what I'm doing now. Um, the reason I had a plan was because my husband said, you're not leaving unless you have a plan. <laughs> Primarily because he knows me so well that if I had um, left without a plan and, you know, kind of not done anything for a little while, that I wouldn't have been pleasant to live with. Um, I like to know what I'm doing. I like to get my teeth stuck into something, have a project. That's just who I am. And I think he felt that if I wasn't doing that, I would be a little bit unbearable to live with. Um, the timing of my, my change was interesting though um because it coincided with me having my first child and I think mm. that can be a period of time where a lot of women or men maybe um start to reassess their careers where, how they're spending their time and for me you know I was working long hours not only was I working long hours they were quite unpredictable because I was a, a litigation and libel lawyer so I could be, you know, trying to leave the office at 7, 8 p.m. in the evening. My phone would ring and someone needed an injunction to, you know, prevent them going in the paper the next day or whatever. And I'd be there all night. And that's not conducive to raising children, for me anyway. And I wanted to raise my own children. There's no judgment for people out there that have made a different decision to that. That's just what I wanted to do. And that was my choice. Uh, but I needed to find something else that would bring in some money that um, I could do around my child at the time and that I enjoyed. And so I'd always wanted to go back to my passion. Um, so from being a lawyer, jumping out of that it, back into dance, into ballet was what I did. It looked very different, obviously, um, but... That's where I wanted to go. I followed my passion finally. Instead of doing what I thought I should do, what was expected of me, 
what I considered was the right thing to do because I, I wanted money, I wanted independence, I wanted a particular lifestyle, all of those things, and I achieved. By the time I got to having my first child, some of those things didn't matter as much to me anymore. What mattered was that I was going to be able to raise my child, and now I have two children, in a way that I wanted to do it and not be necessarily beholden to anyone else while I was trying to juggle that and navigate that new path. So I went back and fortunately before I'd left the dance world, I had got all my um, vocational qualifications, which allowed me to get onto the teacher training courses with no difficulty. I didn't have to take any extra entrance exams or anything. So I retrained to teach tap and ballet um, with the Royal Academy of Dance in the ISTD. And I started out, and I was, I was taking my baby to college with me. So I was going, you know, it, I, it, it's, it, you just, you end up juggling everything in order to achieve it. So she would come with me as a tiny baby, I would be sitting in tutorials, um, and I would be feeding her with one arm, writing notes over the top of her head with the other, sat in the room with a bunch of 18, 19 year olds. You know, it was, um, it was challenging for sure. And then I remember coming to do my ballet assessments at the RAD and, you know, that was fast forward a couple of years. I was five months pregnant with my son and we had to wear leotards to do the assessment. Oh, yeah. Wow. Can you imagine? And I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm like double the age of everyone else. Not double, but significantly older. Um, but I was so determined to, to do it because I knew I would be a good teacher and because I loved it so much that it didn't deter me at that point I just kept focusing on whereas you know if you'd asked me when I was in when I was 19 20 you know do you think you'll be able to do this in the future I'd be like no no no, no. If, if unless I do it now it's not going to happen I did do it got my qualifications and I ended up freelancing at a dance school teaching children and that that was kind of the goal at the time there was not anything beyond that really because I just wasn't in a position to think beyond that because I had small babies and I could work around raising the children. The children came with me to teach. I had someone that would sit in the same room, so they're still with me, but I had someone who was looking after them, taking, you know, changing their nappies or taking them to the toilet, whatever. And that went on for you know, a good few years. So the children had always been around dance watching me teach. It's become very, very normal for them. And fast forward a couple of years from starting doing that, um, I really, really wanted to teach adults. And the principal of the, the dance school I was teaching at said, yeah, set up a class, ballet fitness specifically. And I did that and it was really popular. So I then set up my own classes and then I started getting contacted from people around the country asking, do you have a class in Manchester? Do you have a class here? And that was then what inspired me to go online. And I've now got a thriving membership, etc. But for people who are thinking about changing career, maybe if they've got to that point like I had, where you're thinking about planning a family, whether family life is going to fit in or whether your current career will fit into your family life. You don't have to have planned out the entire process, the entire path, I think, is what I wish someone had told me back then. Because I was 
stressing about, is this going to be manageable? Is this going to make me enough money? Is this, is this, is this? And I did what was necessary at the time and got to where I wanted to be. But everything happened so organically that I don't, you know, I would never have predicted when I left that law firm on my last day that I would be doing what I'm currently doing now and having this conversation with you. And, and, and I think that is key. And I wish someone had told me that. It would have saved me a lot of um, stress and, and worrying about the future because... Shame you, you didn't know me then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it just takes that first step, I think, that is the hardest part, is leaving something that's secure, something that you know so well something that you're good at as well. It's not like you, you know, I was a terrible lawyer and thought, thank God I can escape now and do something else. That is a hard decision. But as you say, you know, we're only on this planet once and why not try other things if you are in a fortunate enough position to do that? And I know not everyone is in that position financially to be able to do that. But if you can work it out and you have a supportive partner, who's on board with it and you've got family members around who can help with childcare and all the rest of it, then it is just taking that first step because you never ever know where it's going to lead. And it's a really exciting journey. It's a really enjoyable one. And if, if the, the choice that you're making is to go towards something that you feel passionate about, it's always going to work. Or in my case, you just leave. Um, yeah. And because I, I mean, I, I have this attitude that no matter what happens, if you're a strong individual and a driven individual, then you'll be able to make it work out one way or the other. I knew that I knew from an early stage that law was good, but it wasn't necessarily my passion. I think as I've gone along in my own journey, and I've dealt with a lot of my own like emotional issues and so forth, I've realised that a lot of what I've done throughout my career has been driven by other things, other needs and issues that I've had internally within myself. So I've always been a real striver. I've always been the kind of person that's like, I want this, I'm going to go and get it, tick it off the list, which is not necessarily the best way to live your life. But it's the kind of life that I've lived. Um, so for me, when I entered the legal profession, it was always a case of how quickly can I get partnership? That was really the only thing that mattered. And that was a lot to do with my own issues um, of trying to prove myself. Um, it was always like, OK, get me here, get me here, get me here. And that was all I did. I dug in. I worked really hard. I got to where I wanted to be. And I just happened to get partnership when I was quite young. So I was young and I had two children at the time. So there I was, partner, big firm, everything that you could possibly want out of life, but I was not fulfilled. And at that stage, I'd been thinking about other things that I could possibly go and do, but I couldn't come up with a really good reason to walk away from law. I mean, who, who would? There you are, sitting, big firm, partnership, lots of money, big house, portion of Mercedes in the driveway, and you just go packing it in. And I wasn't quite ready at that stage just to run. So what I ended up doing was persuading my husband to move to another country. So we ended up packing up, leaving the jobs. Um, I actually told the firm at the time that my husband had this fabulous 
dream job that we were leaving for and it wasn't true it was just more a case of I said to him find a job any job any country and we'll just go so we did we ended up coming to the Cayman Islands and it's very difficult to work in the Cayman Islands just to do whatever you want to do. You have to do something that is aligned with the qualifications that you have. So I ended up going back into law, but I ended up in law with no real desire to do anything else. But I realised that in Cayman I could make a lot of money. So I dug in for a number of years and I made a lot of money and I decided I was going to leave again. But I took all my money and I put all my money in a bank and unfortunately for me, all that little nest egg, well, that, let me just step back. So I made all this money and then I decided I was going to leave and I was going to do something else. But I left with no plan and absolutely no idea of what I wanted to do other than a desire to do something with nutrition because I have enjoyed cooking since I was very, very small. So I left with all this money in e-bank, which is a really stupid thing to do. And... I then went out there and tried to set up a business, but I had no idea what business I wanted to set up, et cetera, et cetera. And I wasted a whole load of time doing absolutely nothing, no plan, no direction. And guess what? Completely out of the blue, that bank decides to go bust and I lose all my money. So there I am in this really difficult situation. Um, no money. Um, uh, bills and things to pay, a husband who had just been made redundant and uh, oh crap, what am I going to do in this kind of attitude? And the funny thing was that I just knew what to do at that stage. I just knew and it wasn't the nutrition. It was the one consistent factor in my life throughout and it was fitness. And that was what I decided to do. I decided, okay, I need to make money. I need to make money fast. So let's do what I'm good at. I had spent eight years in the British Territorial Army, a lot of that in the training team, bringing in new recruits and getting those new recruits physically fit and ready to go into um, their military lives. So I had so much experience of teaching people that that was what I did. And for me, that then just progressed because I realised that a big part of the fitness for me in my own personal life that fitness um, and being physically fit had also resulted in me being mentally and emotionally very fit as well. And that had taken me through my careers. It had allowed me to push myself to the next level. I always knew if I sat in a boardroom with someone that I was so physically fit that I would grind them down. And nine times out of 10, if you're sitting in negotiations, I could just keep going for days. Um, I guess intelligence core training and all of the, the training that we went through with that helped. I was in the British intelligence core. Um, so I ended up doing that. So it developed from a physical fitness into a mental fitness. And I think the thing I'm saying here is you might not have a plan, but if you have a notion inside your mind and you know what you are intrinsically good at, you'll always find the way. But you just have to trust in yourself and be confident in yourself and your own abilities. And you'll always get there. And I think this is one of the problems that people have whenever they're looking at leaving a job or leaving a career or setting up a new business. It's the confidence thing. It's the, is this going to work? Well, yeah. nobody can tell you whether it's going to work or not. But if you know within yourself 
that you're a strong and driven individual, then then no matter what happens, you will be able to deal with it. And I think that to me is much more important than having an actual written down plan. Yeah. It's having the balls to go out there, excuse my language, and just get it done. And trusting in yourself, having being confident in your own ability and your own um, your own desires and your own ability to succeed. Mm, absolutely, I agree. And I think you know, even if you do come up with a plan, and that's that's the plan that you run with, or you don't have a plan, you leave, and then you decide to do something. As I as I explained, you know, things change organically, and actually, the point at which you succeed what you're doing at that point could look very different to to what you started with. I mean, you said you came out and you wanted to do nutrition and what you're doing now, I suppose, is related, but not what you had in mind at the time. So different. Yeah. And it's the same for me. Um, I'd always had um, fitness in my life. I'd always had dance in my life. And I remember as a lawyer um, getting really, really frustrated partly lack of time to exercise. So the only real thing that I could do, um, you know, I was working in central London, I was commuting in on the tube. I couldn't get to classes necessarily at that time of the morning. I mean, they run a lot more now. So I would go to the gym, I would get up at silly o'clock in the morning and commute. There was a gym opposite work, I'd shower there, I'd then go to work. And that was my life. But I hate the gym. It's just not, it's not me. It's not how yeah. I grew up. It's not the type of activity that I enjoy doing. I absolutely see the benefit in it. Um, but that needs to be a, a part of my fitness regime, but not, not the, the predominant um, you know, way that I stay fit. And so that's when I started hunting around for different classes, something that would stimulate me as an adult. And I found um, someone that was teaching the New York City Ballet Workouts, which actually doesn't even exist anymore. But at the time, it was fantastic. And it was run by an American lady who, after a few months of me joining, decided to return to America. So there I was back at square one again. And then I started kickboxing. I was trying lots of different things out. But I noticed a gap. There was a gap in the market at that point for really busy women who wanted to stay fit, who didn't want to run, who didn't want to go in a gym, who didn't, you know, want to do hip workouts, that, that wanted to kind of move in a slightly different way, had possibly danced when they were younger and were feeling like me. And, you know, if you're currently in a career where you have frustration over something or you can't find a solution for a problem that you're experiencing, that's a red flag. You know, can you fill that gap? Can you find the solution for people that are like you? Because that, that's an easy way of doing it. If you've experienced that frustration yourself, you can't find the solution, that's an option. Can you fill that gap? And I think the thing that really made me leave, aside from putting children to one side, was asking myself, can I see myself doing this job for the next, 20, 30 years? And the answer to that was absolutely not. The idea of it made me feel so depressed. <laughs> I remember sitting, and some people will relate to this, you know, you're sitting in these big boardrooms, or we would have um, 
had a large meeting room downstairs in the office and we would sit there and we'd have trainings on things and client talks that we would be running or this and I would find myself daydreaming I would switch off and I was I'd be sitting there thinking why am I sat here why am I doing this I mean I don't know if you can relate to that Virginia you know why why am I sitting in this room Anything could be better than sitting in this room because by that point I checked out. I just, you know, it wasn't for me on a long-term basis. And I think the problem is when you've made that decision for yourself, it becomes so much harder to stay because, you know, you've admitted it to yourself that you're not happy and you don't want to be doing it long-term. So that's when you start to feel the pressure to, to change that. And that's a really scary prospect. I, I, I totally get that. But, you know, we've all got skills. We're all different. We're all unique. We've all got something different to offer the world. And yes, there, you know, if you're thinking about, I don't know, becoming a yoga instructor, don't be telling yourself, but hey, there's loads of yoga instructors. Who's going to come to my class when I've just qualified? Don't be telling yourself, oh, but there's loads of chefs out there who, who provide meals you know, at home or whatever, the, the niches that you're thinking about. Yeah, of course there are. But the reason there are lots of them is because it works. You know, People wouldn't have these jobs or wouldn't be running these businesses if it wasn't a success. And yeah. people will come to you because of you. Yeah. And that's your differentiator. And that's what you need to keep top of mind I think is people will want to buy what you're selling spend time with you um, and learn from you if you're teaching something they absolutely will Um, that's the confidence thing that you're talking about there again is that that um, I call it comparisonitis Mm. Um, you're out there and you're finding all the other people I mean look at me for example um, I teach women how to become mentally and physically strong. So let's just say the mental side of that. I mean, the mental side for me is I, I, I'm surrounded by people um, who are unhappy in their job and, and not wanting to leave the job. They're unhappy in the job because they're not being paid what they think they should be paid. They're not being promoted. They're not in the position that they want to be in. And... You know, I'll always say, well, why are you not in that position? Because I never saw any obstacles in my way. Um, It was always a case of, well, if I want something, what do I need to do to get there? Um, I want X amount of salary. You're not going to pay me that amount of salary. Okay, that's fine. I'll go find somebody else who will pay me that plus a little bit extra. You're not going to promote me? Well, why are you not going to promote me? Because... Uh, I remember one particular situation Oh, you can't be promoted because you have to do X number of years. And I remember having the argument at the time and saying, well, um, I have to do X number of years, but I make more money than anybody else. Um, I work more hours. I bring new clients in. Oh, that doesn't matter. I said, okay, that's fine. So I'm going to leave. I go to leave and they say, right, okay, well, we'll do it. Well, it's too late by that time. The, the thing was, though, I never had a problem asking because mm-hmm. confidence is not an issue I have ever had. And I think a lot of the reasons that I haven't had those issues is because I'm physically fit. If you're physically fit, it will make you mentally fit. 
the mental fitness will give you the confidence, the confidence will go into the next level. So I do that and I don't have an issue with that and I've never ever questioned my ability to help people get to the next level. But let's look at the physical fitness side. And this is where the comparisonitis would really kick in for me. I'm 50. So I think, oh gosh, let's go and look at my competitors in the marketplaces. I go out there and I teach strength training. And it's all young girls. And I'm thinking, well, I'm never going to be them. I don't look the way they look. And then I would think, okay, I don't look as young as them. But physical-wise, fitness-wise, is there really that much of a difference? And have they gone through all of the things that I've gone through in my life? I've got three babies. Um, I had a split of my ab wall. I've fixed it all. I'm back again. I lift really heavy, blah, 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 blah. You have to distinguish yourself from the competition, not compare yourself with the competition and then look at all of their plus points and then look at your own negative points. You have to distinguish yourself from the competition. You need to go out and look at the competition because it's the only way that you're going to know what you need to do to push yourself forward. But the comparisonitis needs to go. It has to be looking at it objectively with a view to driving your business forward. There's then no comparisonitis. You are you. And as long as you are true, you're authentic, you're full of integrity, your market will find you, your tribe will find you. They may not buy from you right away. And if you look at the statistics, they'll say that it takes 90 days from the first touch before a person will buy from you if they are going to buy from you. So they won't always buy from you. They won't always connect with you right from word go. But if you stay true and they get to know you, like you, trust you, then you will find your market and they will be there. But the comparisonitis and the lack of confidence needs to go. You need to have confidence to die for to make this work. And that is crucial to it. Crucial, more crucial than a plan. I agree. I agree. Um, and it's interesting here you listening to you talk about that because, you know, I have seen many women lacking confidence and, and do that comparisonitis thing. And But I have also done it. I am absolutely guilty of that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. As I've just said. We're all different. We're all different. There will be people out there listening who resonate with what you're saying and they know they can absolutely do it. And their issue is more, but what am I going to do? I know that when I find something, I will nail it. But then there are other people who have a passion and know what they want to do, but are being held back because of a, a lack of confidence or comparing themselves to the big names out there and the big brands and, and you know, can I do it? Will I make a success? You're never going to know no. if you don't try. And, you know, I have been guilty of that. Not, I mean, I wouldn't be in the position I am today if it had been debilitating in any way. But there have been times, not every day, not often, where I will question is, you know, am I doing the right thing on a particular thing? Am I, is this right? Is this going to work? Of course. But I think that's part of um, perfectionism. It's part of, you know, all the things that have always driven me forwards. And I will go through that thought process. Can I do this? 
But then I don't back out and say, I'm just not going to in case I don't make it. I go, let's see. Let's see. What's the worst that could happen? Um, it could work and it could be hugely successful. It could work a little bit, but then lead me off on a tangent, which is which then really works because of that organic, you know, the organic growth that that takes you off from different places that you can't necessarily anticipate until you've started walking down a path. You can't see the different options available to you. Um, and I am incredibly driven, always have been. And that it does come from a place of, can I do this? Let's see if I can make a success of this. And if I can't, I will try something else. I'll try a different way. And, you know, you'll look at statistics for small businesses. And, you know, I, I forget the exact percentage, but it's a fair fairly high percentage of small businesses that fail within the first two to three years. And I think that is because people get to a point where, you know, it's not quite there yet and they just give up. Yeah. And it, it's people will tell you different things about running a business. Some people will say it's all hustle. You've got to work really long hours and it's relentless and it's always there. You're always doing, doing, doing. And other people will say, no, no, no. Running a small business gives you freedom. And it allows you to you know, generate these automatic systems that you can put in place and then go off and have a holiday with your family. For me, it lies somewhere in between. I don't think, I think once you have a very successful business, it can give you that freedom because of course then you're earning enough money to have a team and you are, um, you know, your time is freed up because you've got there. To get there on the other hand, for me, has taken hustle. It's hard work alongside running a house, raising children, and juggling all the other things that, as women, do land on our shoulders, the vast majority. I know there are house husbands out there who do an amazing job, but I am generalizing a little bit. But from all the people that I know, the women around me, you know, we shoulder a lot of the responsibility. And it is hard work. But I think if you have chosen to do something that you have a passion about, which is key, um, and you are determined, you will keep going no matter what. You just keep pushing forwards and pushing forwards. And sometimes you take three steps forwards and five back, but you know that at some point you'll take three forwards and stay there. And it is, it is having that confidence to keep moving forwards and having that belief in yourself. You know deep down if you're good at something. You do. You really do. Um, you know deep down if you're a people person or if you're not a people person. If you're not a people person, don't set up a business where you're having to deal with people. Yeah. Sell, sell a product. Don't deal with people. Um, but, you know, to run a successful p business, all about relationships as well, I would say. You know, it's, it is about maintaining the relationships you've um, generated up to this point in your life, maintaining those, and just always talking to people and asking for help and connecting with people, helping others. It is, a you know, you're a person, you are your brand, you're trying to sell something, which is, you know, if people don't like you, they're not gonna buy it. But as you say, people find, you know, you find your tribe, you find the people who resonate with you, who understand you, who, um, really want to work with you so look at your strengths 
leave your weaknesses behind if you have any, but look at your strengths and just be honest with yourself. Am I good at this particular thing? And you, you know if you are, and if you are, then go for it. I think also as well, surround yourself with people, and I do this, when, by this I don't mean the tribe that you're actually serving. Um, I mean from a business perspective, surround yourself with people who are in the same position so that you're not in a situation where you have the naysayers and the doubters and all of the other people who question you. Um, I remember like right at the very beginning when I did decide that the first step that I was going to do was step out there and do um, strength training. So I do high intensity interval training and strength training. I started that at 40. I think I was 45 whenever I started doing this. I didn't start doing it, though. I've been doing that kind of training since I was 15. Um, but I was out there and the, the, the number of looks that I got and the comments that I got, etc., etc., about going out there and doing that, I could really have let that get me down. But you surround yourself with people who, um, who are in the same mindset. I was very lucky at the beginning to have reached out to when I was starting out and I was writing recipes and I still do that kind of stuff, I reached out to the guys from Barbell Shrugged, who at that time, and I think they probably are still up there, were num one of the number one um, rated podcasts on iTunes. And I had reached out to them to ask them if I could write some recipes for their daily magazine. Um, and it was just so nice to have conversations with them. They came down, Doug Larson and Mike Bledsoe came down to, Andy Galpin as well, um, came down to, came in and I just got an opportunity to speak to them. And it was nice just to talk to other people who were in that place, who were doing their own thing, were taking risks. Um, and, and it just helps to have those kinds of people around about you. Because you will realise as you go out and you go your own way and you decide to, to step outside of your comfort zone, that you're not the norm. It's not the normal thing to do. And people don't understand you. It took my father an awful long time to, to accept the fact that I wasn't taking a step back. So he had this daughter, two degrees, postgraduate diploma, blah de blah de blah and now she was teaching gym classes. And I had to keep saying to him, but dad, there's so much more to this. All you see is the physical strength side. You don't see the life coaching side that, I, that I'm involved in. You don't see me stepping in to help business women get promotion and salary rise and all of everything else that goes along with it. I said, yes, there's a physical element to it, but there's so much more. But then you realise I really shouldn't have had to have those kinds of conversations because it's my life. These are my decisions. This is where I want to go. So it is all about you. I'm very lucky to have a husband who runs a business as well, who started that from scratch. Um, so our conversations at home are fantastic. They're very positive. We both understand what it's like. Do not go into business on your own if your number one goal is making money because it's going to take you a long time to make money. Um, it is bloody hard work. 
And I think just like looking at my husband as well, X number of years later, the hours are long. I reckon we both work longer hours and much more intensely than he, my husband was a managing director of a bank and a, an accountant. I was a lawyer. I reckon that we work more hours and much more intensely now than we did um, in our jobs um, for less money than we made in our jobs. However, I don't, looking at the way things are and projecting forward, that will not always be the case. But right at the very start, if you make millions overnight, you're one of the really lucky ones or you're lying. And there's a lot of them out there that are lying and telling you that that's what they do. I've been fortunate enough to be involved with enough um, other businesses that I know that there's a lot of gurus out there who are just lying. And I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it. I've, I've been involved with it and, and it's there. You're going to work hard. You're going to work really hard. You're going to work long hours. You're going to hustle. You're going to have up days. You're going to have down days. But I'm going to say this to you. I'm happier than I've ever been. My relationship with my husband is stronger than it's ever been. And my children get to see three fantastic, three, two fantastic role models in their parents. Where's the third one coming from? Two fantastic role models because they get to watch their parents running businesses. We're teaching them entrepreneurial spirit. They're not watching two individuals trying to keep a marriage together and pretending that their job is okay and coming home unhappy. So there are so many pluses that Which you need to a, focus on. A really, really good point. Um, because certainly in the UK, that is not taught at school. The entrepreneurial side of things. And, you know, when I was at school, I remember doing all those tests to figure out, you know, what job you were best suited to. And you kind of in some ways, from a quite a young age, when you're asked to choose your GCSEs, choose your A-levels, it's like, and you need to project forwards to God knows how many years to see what it is you want to do, and then you need to choose your exams accordingly. I mean, maybe less so with the current generation, because they're a little bit better about moving around and finding the things they want to do. But certainly for my generation, we needed to think about that, and we needed to find a job that was suitable that was, you know, something that, as I say, would give me money, that would be ensure that I was independent, that was a well-respected job, all of those things. That's how I was raised, um, with love, obviously. But my parents could see my capabilities, could see that I was bright, could see that I could become a lawyer. So, you know, it, it was headed down that route. And you're kind of pigeonholed into these you know, perfectly sort of laid out jobs. And of course, once you get that, it's all laid out in front of you. As long as you pass the next exam and pass the next exam and, and do a good interview, you know, you, you, you get there eventually. Um, you but get weird. Huh? You get weird, you get it. And yeah. that, that was the issue I had, you get you, achieve, you get a title. You get a title, you achieve, you know, you get the money, you get the car on the front drive, et cetera. So you've ticked all the boxes that you were meant to tick from going through your academic years at school. And I would love to see kids learn more about entrepreneurship, more about you know, being curious about the world, how to solve problems, how to help people, how to serve and make money from doing that. You know, it, it comes from a good place, but 
and and again you know I'm pleased I have a son and a daughter but I'm pleased to, for my daughter to watch me doing that and her father is still a lawyer um, but having those two different um, experiences and seeing how hard I work but understanding the choices that I've made why I'm doing it and I'm not answerable to anyone I don't have a boss I can take time off when I choose to take time off but I graft I do mm-hmm. graft mm-hmm. Um, and you know it, it is definitely a different choice that not everyone will understand absolutely especially maybe your parents if you you're in a traditional it definitely won't understand if I sit my dad my dad still says to me on a regular basis I really hope it works out for you one of these days (laughs) works out. yeah I think that's why it's important as you say to surround yourself with other entrepreneurs because they're the only people that really understand you and you know my husband understands because he lives through it every single day bless him but he's never run his own business he doesn't understand the drive the passion the time I spend um he appreciates it and he lets me get on with it but you need to be around people that understand that I remember as you just described right at the outset when I was teaching local classes and I decided to go online, I set up my first course, I was really excited about it. And one of the, because I teach men as well. And one of the guys said to me at the end of the class and I was talking to my husband who was also there about it and he chipped in and he said, it's not gonna work. <laughs> it's not gonna work. Um, I just don't see people wanting to do that online. I don't see that happening, la 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 la. And I went quite quiet and, um, and I, I, I said, why? I asked him, I was curious, I wanted to know the reasons because I was thinking, you know, if he's got a valid point here, I'm going to fix it. Asked him all that reasons, got home and said to my husband, well, that was interesting. And to begin with, you know, I was upset, too strong a word, you know, a little bit, oh, what if he's got a point? And then I thought, no, he hasn't got a point. And I'm going to prove him wrong. And that, again, is the drive. So when people tell me I can't do something, actually, I'm more likely to then go and do it. But if I'd had more entrepreneurs around me at that time, that wouldn't have, that would have just brushed over me or I would have gone and spoken to them and they'd said, don't be ridiculous because look at all these other people that are doing it. And there's no reason why you can't do it if they're doing it. Um, and, you know, I got there on my own in the end, but you do need to surround yourself with positive people, um, honest people who have integrity in the business yeah. world, um, who can support you through that for sure. That's one of the most important lessons that I've learned. And, you know, I'm always making relationships and communicating with those people, because if I can help them at some point when I need help, they'll be there for me too. Um, and that's how we met, of course. It is it's exactly how we met, helping each other out. And it's and it's it's good. We can have we can have a a, a complaint in the background about it because it, it it is tough. And there's no point in lying about it. There's no point in leading people into a false sense of security. It is tough. There are up days. There are down days. And even when you've seen the wood for the trees and you're starting to make progress. 
there's still going to be setbacks. There's still going to be days where you think, ugh. But I think, I don't know, the, the more I go in it, the more I'm able to say, the more I'm able to, to, in my own mind, know what's working and what isn't working. And that's been good for me because it's meant that even whenever I've done something that has been making me money and it's been successful, and I still know inside myself, this is not the direction I want to go in. I've now got the confidence to get up and say, right, this is not where I want to go. So mm. like for me, for example, I opened up a gym um, and I just decided that that wasn't where I wanted to be because I looked at all the reasons that I was leaving law. I was leaving law because I didn't like the environment that I was in. I didn't like the closed in environment. I wanted more control over my time. And don't confuse that with me wanting um, more downtime. I wanted to control my time. So I wanted to control when I got up in the morning, the time I could exercise for myself because I, I have my own personal practice that I do. I just didn't want to be dictated to. So when I went off and I, I set up my gym, I was in that environment again of having to deliver then and having to do this and having to do that. So it was working it out in a way that suited me so that I could achieve my own personal goals. Mm. Being self well, being self-employed, being an entrepreneur and doing your own thing is the most frustrating, but the most rewarding thing in the whole world. And you know, my advice to anyone out there is it's the exact same advice that I started this podcast with. If you want to go out there and try, trust that no matter what happens, you'll be able to deal with it. So if you're the kind of person that throws in the towel, don't do it. If you're a gutsy individual that's prepared to take risks, and I don't mean stupid risks, but prepared to take risks, trust that you'll be able to get it to the next level. It might not be easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But trust that you'll be able to take it to the next level. And don't overthink this. Just go no. and give it a push. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, what's the worst that could happen and what could happen, what, what's likely to happen if you don't do it? You know, if you don't go for it and give it a go, you'll never know. You'll never know what you could have achieved and you'll be continuing to do what you're doing now for a very long time. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, if people want to connect with us on our social media channels, then I know this is something that we do talk about. Um, and if they want to ask us any questions, then they are most welcome to do that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in again. And I'd love to hear your stories. If anyone out there mm. has done it, has gone out and they're running a successful business, I'm always looking for people to mastermind with. So always looking to be surrounded by people who have taken the risk and the gamble and gone out there and done it and they're in a thriving business then. Um, love connecting with you guys as well to share the stories. And other than that, thanks again for tuning in to Smart Women Connect. And we'll see you back next Wednesday. Yep. See you later, guys. guys.